my takeaway at the end of the, the day, looking back, is like all those risks are real. So put some weight on them. But on the other side of the balance scale is another risk, and it's this. I could be 80 years old one day, laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, kicking myself because I never fucking tried anything in life. How about that risk? That's a risk, too, that a lot of people don't allude to. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. First episode of the new Saturday edition where we do Q&A with our listeners, you guys. Um, and shout out to uh, Brenda DeGerald, one of our uh, investors, good friends. She's been rocking with me since day one, but uh, she actually suggested this along with a few other folks. Um, and so we're going to roll with it. This will be our new thing every Saturday. We're going to do Q&A and we're gonna, uh, I'm going to be bringing in different co-hosts, team members, and I'll be bringing in uh, some other guests here and there, depending on some of the topics that come in. But uh, with that, I want to bring in our co-host today. I got Miss Alex Johnson. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here on this side of the camera for once. Usually I'm on the other side. So uh, yeah, a little different point of view, but excited to go over these questions with you and um, get you know the feedback from the listeners and uh, make it a little bit more interactive for everyone. So yeah, Absolutely. For yeah. the listeners that don't know, uh, Alex... Uh, is a good friend of mine, known you for about, about four, four and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been trying to recruit Alex over to the team for, for quite some time. Uh, but finally got her over about a year ago. And uh, she's our director of investor relations and always crushing it. Team is lucky to have you. So thank you for uh, for coming on board. We, lo- we love having you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So uh, anyways, with that, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it with our uh, first question. Go ahead. All right. So this question comes from Liam. How did you get your start in real estate investing? Yeah. So uh, this is a great question. So early on, I was a air traffic controller for the FAA for 11 years. And along the way, I was in the break room uh, work, between work and airplanes. And it was my coworker, old partner of mine, uh, when I first got into real estate. Uh, his name's Mike Ty, but he was telling me a story of how he just closed on a fourplex in Cleveland. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, dude, how do I do that? And so he was like, hey, go read this book. And it was the Blue Book, Blue book by Brandon Turner, mm-hmm. uh, How to Invest in Rental Properties, I believe is the name. And uh, read the book, devoured it. And I just became obsessed. I started reading more books. I started listening to podcasts. Um, I was listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast a lot at that time. Um, and I just became obsessed. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to buy rental properties. And at the time, I was just kind of thinking I was going to buy like one or two deals here and there. I never thought that I would like leave my career and like <laughs> go all in in such a short amount of time. Um, but for nine months straight, literally all I did was... I would work uh, about 56 hours a week. I was working a lot of overtime. And during my breaks, on my way to work, on uh, the way home from work, during the weekends and nights, I literally like, I just stopped going out for like nine months. And I was just like listening to podcasts, reading books. I remember going to networking events here in San Diego um, on the real estate side before I even owned any real estate. And I just became so obsessed that I was like, I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. And so about nine months in, I finally found a deal um, and I cashed out my 401k to buy it. Um, it was a 11 unit property in Cincinnati, which I still own today. 
uh, bought it for $350,000. It had all the deferred maintenance. Um, it had all the issues. Um, I hired the, the wrong property manager uh, going in. And so two months into it, I made that realization and I had to pivot it to a new property manager. Um, but the new one's great. Still working with them, still rocking with them. We renovated most of the units, uh, bought it for three fifty. Um, refinanced it a couple years later, pulled all my money out and some and still own that property. And that property is doing good today. And then the second unit or the second property, which was basically just like a month later, was a 32 unit building in Indianapolis that I bought with my two old partners and a couple other folks that JV'd with us. It was 32 units, Indianapolis. We bought it for 1.2 million. And we had, I want to say a $25,000 seller credit. And we renovated exactly half the units and we sold it exactly two years later for 3.1. And that was like my first full cycle deal. And then we 1031 exchanged that one. And I 1031 that into my Scottsdale property that I still have today. But anyways, that's how I got my start in real estate investing. And I will say, looking back, like it was scary because Friends, family, coworkers told me that it was too risky to cash out my 401k. It was too risky to go invest out of state. Um, and so, you know, I think my takeaway at the end of the, the day, looking back, is like all those risks are real. So put some weight on them. But on the other side of the balance scale is another risk. And it's this. I could be 80 years old one day, laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, kicking myself, because I never fucking tried anything in life. How about that risk? That's a risk, too, that a lot of people don't allude to. So anyways, uh, that's the first one. What's the next question, Alex? All right. Hey, yeah, Jones. That's, that's kind of funny. I, I actually remember that time period when you disappeared for like nine months. I'm like, where'd this guy go? <laughs> yeah. He just reappears and has all these great new ideas. So um, and this kind of leads in perfectly to the next question we have from Jay Benjamins. And I think it's a good one. We, we kind of get it a lot. Um, why didn't you transfer your 401k funds into a self-directed IRA instead of cashing it all out? This is a great question, Jay Benjamins. Uh, so a lot of our investors in our fund actually invest through their uh, IRAs or old 401ks. They'll roll them over to a self-directed IRA and they'll invest passively into our fund. Um, it's a great way to invest passively into real estate. Um, but when you do the self-directed IRA, you cannot invest into your own deals. And so that's really the main reason why I didn't do that. If I could invest into my own deals, the other reason is this. Um, as an active investor, I knew I wanted to be active. If you roll it into a self-directed, all the proceeds go back to the self-directed and you can't touch it. And so as an active investor, um, I wanted to have full control of the money and I wanted to be able to do whatever I, I wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so I would say the takeaway for any of the listeners is, uh, you know, ask yourself, do you want to be active or do you want to be passive? If you have all the time and you want to do this for a living, uh, then you should probably look to cash it out if you have a 401k or IRA pay the penalties, pay the taxes. Um, but if you are content with your given career or you have your own business and that's the best use of your time or that's the best vehicle for you to make money, and then maybe investing passively is, is the right answer. Look to mm -hmm. roll it into a self-directed. Um, you can invest into these passive syndications, these funds, uh, you know, penalty and, and tax-free, and, and then the, the returns grow tax-free, which is kind of nice. Um, anyways, that's that. Uh, by the way, a uh, shout out to Alex. <laughs> You're the one that, you know, collecting the, the self-directed IRA money when we raise it. It's not mm -hmm. easy. 
Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's, it's been a learning experience, I think for both of us, um, kind of just depending on the custodian that you work with, they all have a little bit different requirements with, um, you know, the paperwork that they need and, uh, just kind of their process. So, um, you know, sometimes there's a little bit back and forth. Luckily we've, we've worked with some really good ones. Um, new view horizon are, are all really great. It's just, um, you know, there's a lot of paperwork and I know a lot of our investors are very busy Hence why they want to be, you know, passive with us. But, um, yeah, you know, they really, they usually just need like a subscription agreement from us. Um, just the partnership agreement on the fund and and they approve it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been some, uh, you know, some are a little bit easier than others just as far as getting it in, but it's, it's been a, a learning experience overall, I think for, for all of us. And, um, so it's, it's really great way to, invest. Like you said, um, you know, a lot of people have these, you know, these funds just sitting there collecting dust. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, if, you know, if you roll it in and, um, they could be, you know, a part of whatever investment you, you know, you'd want to be a part of. It's a great way, especially if you don't even know it's there. So, yeah. And a lot of these folks, I mean, we're talking to them, they're like, they don't even know the name of the custodian. They don't know their account balance. They don't know what they're invested in. Um, because they just haven't looked in four yeah. or five years. So if that is you, you know, you should look to uh, invest it into some some passive real estate stuff. Um, or if you're looking for a good custodian for a self-directed, we use, well, our favorite is, is New View. Mm-hmm. But anyways, all right, well, with that, uh, let's move on to the next question. What else we got? All right, so the next one comes from Tyler Burke. Shout out to Tyler. What are some tips you have for driving more STR bookings across multiple platforms? Shout out Tyler Burke. <laughs> uh, okay, great question. So a lot of STR investors, they will just be on one platform. I know when I first got into it, I started, I was only on Airbnb, but I would say if you want to drive more bookings, get on all the platforms, Airbnb, Verbo, um, and then look at some of the other platforms such as hotels.com, booking.com. Uh, all these other uh, Expedia and mm-hmm. some of those others as well that we're on um, are some good avenues. Another avenue that we like to use is we use a company called StayFi for all of our Wi-Fi uh, amongst all the properties. And uh, when any of the guests in the property, not just the one that makes the reservation, but any of the guests that are in the property, they need to get connected to the Wi-Fi. We will collect uh, all their email addresses and then we put mm-hmm. them on a drip campaign and we'll send them weekly emails encouraging them to come back and direct book at another one of our properties. Um, it's a win-win for the guests. They already uh, you know, know the quality of service that we provide. We already know that they're a responsible guest, so there's not going to be any issues. And then they save on the OTA fees, and then we save on the OTA fees as well. OTA fees are going to be anywhere from 3% to 15%. Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say those OTA fees are going to go up over time. Um, so I would say the more direct bookings that you can grow, uh, the better off you're going to be and the more independent you are going to be from Airbnb, Verbo, mm-hmm. and all these other platforms, uh, which gives you more control as a STR investor. So some of those are some of the tips that I, I like to utilize. And then lastly, I would say social media, um, always good to have a social media presence. So if you have some cool properties, maybe create like an Instagram handle mm-hmm. for them and put some content out. Yeah. Um, you could even do some Facebook ads as well. Um, but great question, Tyler. Yep. Next question. Hey guys, real quick. The only way this podcast grows is if you guys share it and review the show. So if you do find value, if you could take two seconds and drop a five star on Spotify or Apple podcasts, it would mean the world to me. But more importantly, it will help us reach new audiences and help more people build wealth through real estate investing. 
Yeah. And like you said, you never know what's going to happen with the algorithm. I think you guys had all your listings taken down at one point. So it's always smart to have that. Yes, 100%. Airbnb will take your listings down for no reason. (laughs) Uh, One time we had all of our listings taken down for like four or five days. Mm -hmm. The more direct bookings you can bring on, the better. Yep. Alrighty. So this one's from Gideon. What's up, Gideon? As a beginner builds out their hotel acquisition and property management company, what roles do they outsource or bring on first? Shout out Gideon. Uh, Gideon is a part of our hotel mastermind. And so him and his wife, Jacqueline, are going to be moving out from San Antonio out here to San Diego for like six months. They're trying well, to find a midterm rental. Six I, months. We'll see. I, I, told, I know, right? <laughs> I told him, I said, hey, guys, you know what six months means? You ain't going to ever leave. No. <laughs> uh, anyways, so this is a good question. If you are brand new to the hotel investing and you have a relatively new portfolio, let's say you have a couple short-term rentals and you're looking to take down your first hotel, the two most important pillars with all commercial real estate, whether it's hotels, multifamily, whatever it is, is you need two things. You need the deals and you need the money. So you need to find access or you need to have access to quality deals and you need to have the ability to raise money or fund your own deals. Um, Everything else can be delegated out. So I would say in the hotel acquisition process, assuming this is your first commercial deal, uh, I would focus all my energy on the acquisition side. And that means building out relationships with all these brokers and the markets that you want to be in. Uh, So get very clear on your search criteria. For example, uh, you know, on our end, we're looking in specific markets. We're looking for 10 to 40 units. We're looking at two to $10 million in purchase price. We like well-located assets in great locations, tired, properties that haven't been renovated in decades, and we love seller financing opportunities. So we're very clear and specific on what we want. And so when you go and meet these brokers, you know, get them on a call and tell them exactly what you do and and what you're looking for. Because you got to think, how does a broker get paid? A broker gets paid when a deal gets to the finish line. So they want to know, okay, are you real? Um, Do you have the ability to close? Am I going to get paid? Because the last thing the broker wants to do that has a listing and has a relationship with the seller is to bring a buyer to the table that can't perform. And let's say they get into escrow and now this buyer can't get the lending or the buyer can't raise the money and can't get this deal to the finish line. And now he just wasted two months of the seller's time. Well, now that broker risks that relationship with the seller. What if the seller says, Hey, I'm going to go with a different broker. Yep. Right. So by choosing you as a new uh, relationship, uh, choosing you as the buyer, uh, that broker is taking a risk. And so you need to, you need to show that broker, uh, that you have the ability to perform leverage groups. So if you're in a group, like the folks in our mastermind, you can leverage the experience in our group. Um, you can leverage, uh, maybe partners, whatever it takes to get these deals under contract. So that's one. I would not outsource that part, but there's aspects of the acquisition process that you can outsource such as, uh, like you can hire a VA to do a lot of the follow-up. Uh, text blasts, email blasts, that sort of thing as well. But you really want to build out that list of, you know, the more brokers that you have on your list, the better. So if you have a list of 250, 300 brokers that all sell hotels, um, you send them a text message on Monday, a text blast that says, hey, just checking in, wondering if you have any deals in the pipeline that might fit our criteria. As a reminder, this is what we're looking for. Happy Monday. You're going to get a lot of deal flow. Um, 
And then on the operations side, I would say a lot of that stuff early on. Uh, guest communications, you can outsource. That would be the first thing I would, I would outsource. Uh, the accounting. Uh, there's a lot of third-party accounting firms out there that you can outsource to. Uh, vendor relations, I would outsource. And then lastly, maybe you just outsource the entire property management side. You know, I think to have your own management company, it makes sense at scale. But if you just got a couple short-term rentals and maybe your first hotel, maybe it doesn't make sense to go and build out this whole team because at the end of the day, you know, you need the deals and the money. That's really what's going to be the two biggest levers. And so if you're spending all your time in the weeds building out a property management company, it might be, uh, it might not be conducive with the ultimate goal. But anyways, great question there. Hope I answered that uh, in the best possible way. Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Gideon. All right. The last one we have here is from Alex, not myself, another Alex. Um, thanks for sending this in. What is your why? Ooh, good question. Um, I think this is an important question that everyone should think about uh, whenever they're getting into real estate investing or they're, you know, 10 years into real estate investing or entrepreneurship, whatever it is. I think it's important to think about these things. Um, so for me, my why I think always changes. So I would say right now in this current moment, my why is I want to build something special with, you know, Summer's Capital and everything that we're doing here with the team. I want to build something special. Um, I don't know exactly where we're going to go, you know, um, but I know we're going to build something special. And I know those who pivot win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we're, we're buying boutique hotels. I see this is the opportunity, but we're going to, there will be a day where we shift over and we start buying apartments again. Um, or maybe we start buying other asset classes again, but I do know that we're going to build something special and we're going to own a lot of real estate and we're going to impact a lot of lives. Um, the other thing, um, is, you know, I want everyone on the team to win as well. Um, we all hang out together. We're all friends, super positive vibes. Like no one's judgmental on the team. And, um, I look at all you guys as, you know, my best friends, partners, um, and team members. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with that, uh, you know, you guys get a slice of equity in all these deals we buy. Um, and we do all this stuff together, which is exciting. And, and that's what, you know, makes me happy. And I would say a third would be, you know, all of our investors. Um, we got a lot of friends, family. I got old coworkers from the air traffic control job. A lot of folks in our network that invest with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to grow their wealth. Yep. You know, um, that's very important to me. And I want to, you know, impact a lot of their lives. Um, shout out to Matt Para, yeah. uh, one of our, uh, investors, he's invested in all of my deals thus far. And, um, he just, uh, had a wedding last weekend and married Alexis, who was the co-founder of Nectar Juice Bar. And, uh, I was up at their wedding up in San Juan Capistrano, uh, last weekend. But, you know, that's a perfect example. Like Matt, love him and Alexis. And like, I want to take care of folks like that. Yep. Anyone who invests with us, I want to take the best care of them and their money. Um, and then lastly, I would say our mastermind. I want to help all the folks in our mastermind build wealth. I want to help them buy boutique hotels and I want to help them win, not just in the boutique hotel space, but in other aspects of their life, whether it's investing, you know, growing their personal brands, uh, business relationships, whatever it is. Um, I want to help them win too, you know? And so I think to go full circle, it's like none of this stuff that we do is like fun alone, but like, I want to do it with everyone else, you know? Yeah. The bigger the thing that you're doing the bigger the the team that's required and the more of a team sport it, it becomes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I would say lastly, you know, for me, and I didn't realize this until maybe two, three years ago, 
uh, is for me, happiness stems from growth and progress. So if I'm not growing, I'm not progressing, um, I'm going to get bored. And so <laughs> I will never stop growing and uh, pushing the comfort zone and, and doing bigger things. Yeah. And I, I think I can speak for the team when I say that we're, we all appreciate you and what you're growing here and we're all stoked to be a part of it. So, um, you know, it, it, it is very much so like a team here and I do feel that and yeah, we're excited. And like you kind of mentioned, you know, sometimes it's hard to really plan out your like five year or, you know, several year goal, just because like you say, you know, if, if it's going to be the same in five years and you're not growing. So we're all on board. It's always funny when you come in, guys, I got some new ideas, but I love it. You know, you got to pivot and you got to get creative and, um, we're just like, all right, let's do it. Let's figure it out. So yeah, we're, we're stoked to be a part of it and proud of everything you're doing. Yeah. The, uh, the feeling is mutual. Um, well with that, let's wrap this up. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys have questions for the next, uh, episode on Saturday, uh, we will have a text code soon. We don't have that up and running yet, but we're going to have a text code to where you guys will be able to text in your questions throughout the week. And then we'll pick the top questions and we'll go deep on these topics, uh, on these Saturday episodes. And then, uh, lastly, we've got our meetup tonight. When this airs, the meetup will be over. However, second Wednesday of every month, if any of you guys are in the San Diego area, 5.30 p.m., it is the biggest real estate networking event in San Diego. How many, how many RSVPs do we have for this one? We have a lot for this Almost one. Almost 200. Uh, don't tell Simone, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, like 187 when I just checked. Wow. And so it's, yeah. So we're going to have 200 by the, by the, <laughs> the time it starts. Over capacity. It's yes. Okay. <laughs> but we got a new venue here in uh, downtown San Diego. Um, at the Simone Little Italy building. It's a 35th floor location overlooking all of San Diego, Bay Views. Um, you can see over Coronado, the bridge. It's, it's beautiful. But uh, we'd love to have all you guys out. It's free, 5.30 p.m. There's no pitching. There's no selling. There's no presenting. We just have a good time and we network, which is what I believe the, the true power of these events is all about. Um, but anyways, with that, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.